Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Good afternoon or evening. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, the straight-talking business show that's dedicated to helping entrepreneurs like you to be much more successful. I'm coming to you from Los Angeles, where it is always absolutely beautiful. This week, we've got two great guests on the program, Kirk Pengilly from the legendary rock band In Excess, who I reached just about an hour ago in Australia after he completed their European tour, and Canadian David Hooker, who's got some great ideas on how we can all be a lot more successful. Now, every week we receive emails from all over the world, and uh, this program's about helping you, no matter where in the world you are or what sort of business you're in. Um, the advice that we dish out every week will be of benefit to you. We've got listeners on five continents, so I want you to write to me, email me, tweet me, Become my friend LinkedIn, my contact. Go to my website, which is bobpritchard.com, and subscribe to my monthly newsletter. My last newsletter just went out last week. Tell me what you think. Share your ideas, your criticisms, and, of course, heap me with praise, and let me know what you'd like me to talk about. Over the past couple of months, I've been discussing the major but simple mistakes that most businesses make. Today's the 10th in this series. It's also the most critical. The major reason that businesses have to sell based on price, which of course was in loss of brand equity, increase in marketing costs, loss of profits, and diminished return on investment, is because they've not differentiated themselves. Differentiation's the number one element that contributes to your success. Now, Harvard studies show that 51 categories of products and services, 46 of them are commoditized. So if you haven't differentiated your product, it doesn't matter what else you do extremely well. It'll make only a small difference. You can have the best customer service, a great risk reversal, and a terrific marketing campaign. But without differentiation, you will still be selling on price most of the time. A Citibank study recently showed that once companies start discounting and competing on price, it isn't long before they get into trouble, and not long after that, they go out of business. So you want to stay away from selling on price. But in addition to being commoditized, most companies don't even know what their clients are buying. And as I've said so many times before on this program, the customer is not buying the product. They're buying the solution to their problem. And that is a totally different thing. So marketing mistake number one, uh, sorry, number 10, is not determining what it is that makes the client want to buy from you because they can't get what they want to buy anywhere else. It's establishing your consumer purchasing benefit. In other words, what are the primary advantages for your prospects to do business with you? What makes you unique? 
Your customer purchasing benefit is the unique advantage that you offer in all of your marketing, advertising and sales. It's something that a customer usually can't get anywhere else or perceives that they can't get anywhere else. It's got to become the philosophical foundation of your business and the essence of your CPB should pervade every single thing that you do. Now, the formulation of your CPB depends on the specific marketing niche that you've carved out or want to carve out. When we're in a supply and demand economy, we used to refer to a USP, the unique selling proposition, which was your unique difference in comparison to your competition from a sales perspective. Now we're in a demand and supply economy and a different set of dynamic supply. The consumer purchasing benefit is your advantage from a buyer's perspective. We have realised in the last 10 years or so that the only person that counts in any commercial relationship is the buyer. We've realised that buyers don't give a damn about you. They only care about them. Now, your CPB may be that you sell the highest quality products in the industry. It may be that you maintain 24-hour, seven days a week service. It could be that you maintain five times more service personnel than anybody else, so therefore you can fix things quicker. Your CPB could be that you provide more information, education and service than anyone else. Your CP may just simply be that you have everything in stock all of the time, no waiting and no back orders. So it's important to realise that your CPB, your one really powerful advantage, can either be real or perceived from the customer's perspective. Sit back and ask yourself, what is your point of difference from your competitors? What could your CPB possibly be? Now, many of you may be too young to remember, but there was a washing powder many years ago called Blue Omo, and its CPB was unbelievably powerful. In fact, it was so powerful that Blue Omo became the number one washing powder in every country in the world. That's no mean feat, because if you've been to the supermarket lately and walked down the um, laundry aisle, there are literally dozens and dozens of washing powders and liquids. So what was Blue Omo's all-conquering CPB? It was simply, Blue Omo washes whiter than white. It worked because it hit the hot button of people washing shirts and linen who wanted their clothes to be the ultimate in whiteness. Of course, if you think about it, it doesn't even make sense. How can anything be whiter than white? That's bloody ridiculous. But it didn't matter because it worked. It resonated with the customer. Blue Omo flew off the shelves. The problem is that most companies are me twos. They just look like everybody else. They sell like everybody else. You carry the same products as everybody else. They develop nothing to make them unique. Nothing to create a desire to buy them instead of the competitors. Too many companies are just out there trying to flog product without thinking of what they need to do 
to get people to think of their product first, just out there to sell. You need to become committed to being a company that's dedicated to solving your client's problem. The controversial Harvard-educated marketing expert and author of 14 books, Jeffrey Lant, he said, don't sell, solve. That's really important, simple but important. Maybe that's your CPB. The CPB, your CPB, if it is targeted correctly, can carve you out a market so quickly you won't believe it. Mars had the same problem that all chocolate manufacturers have. You know, parents are loath to buy their kids chocolate, which ends up as smears all over the car seat, lounges, even walls. So when Hunter was young, if he said to me, Dad, I want some chocolate, and we're driving along in the car, there's no way in the world I'd buy him chocolate because I know it would end up all over the place. So M&M's CPB came out. M&M's. Melts in your mouth, not in your hand. And sales skyrocketed. The product didn't change. What they were selling did. All of a sudden, you're more confident about buying M&Ms. So figure out what your CPB is and start promoting its benefits to your customers and prospects immediately, now. Once you realise how critical it is to differentiate your product and to know precisely what it is that your customers are buying, your business fortunes will change dramatically. Don't go back to doing your business and marketing the same old, unprofitable, boring, me-too way. Now, change is difficult. We know that. Change can be tough. When you try to be different and do things differently or make waves, particularly your staff, Get uncomfortable. In my experience, you know, 90% of companies do a really poor job of differentiating their products, and even fewer know what it is that their customers are buying. So nearly everyone listening to this broadcast should be sitting down and deciding to take drastic action now, today. It will not only mean a heck of a lot more money, It will also mean more profits, increased satisfaction in knowing that you're running a business that's focused on solving problems for your customer. Don't try to overhaul your business all at once. Focus on just one element that you need to work on first, and I suggest that it's differentiating your product. Focus your energy on changing just one element of your marketing and sales strategy at a time. You might need to make modifications to your product. Now you think about Doritos. Doritos made a corn chip like everyone else, dozens and dozens of companies. It was just another me too corn chip. So they put a curl in the chip, which enabled you to hold more salsa and guac. It didn't just slide off. A very small change, but it increased sales over $400 million. Now, Email email me at bob at bobpritchard.com if you need to ask me further advice on this. I'd love to send it to you. But whatever you do, decide to make the changes that will improve your business enormously. Once you think that you've got the first change down, then go to the next one. Decide what you want to change first, focus on it, and change. 
Now, motivating your people to go along with the change will probably be the hardest part, but don't give up. Be persistent. Now, this simple mistake's a perfect example of just one of the small things that small that businesses need advice on from time to time, and I think I've mentioned it to you before, that there is a, a service out there with um, global consultants that are all experts in the trade. They're giving their time to help small business, and you pay 2000 bucks a month, and you can get world-class advice on absolutely everything. And, and knowing that you can um, just Skype someone at any at any time at all and ask any about any subject and get world-class advice, it's a valuable stress reliever. And, you know, most small businesses in this environment could do with a stress reliever. So if you'd like to more, know more information about that service, um, just drop me an email at bob at bobpritchard.com and I'll put you onto them and, and get back to you as soon as possible. I'll be back in just a couple of minutes with my first guest, David Hooker who urges companies around the world to set a new gold standard when it comes to business. David makes a hell of a lot of sense. And immediately after that, Kirk Pengilly, the guitarist and backup singer for legendary rock band In Excess. business you'll find the experts here voice america business network do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible bob pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for fortune 500 companies and smes across the world whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore. Or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Business Radio Show, where we straight talk and uh, try to give entrepreneurs a leg up 
uh, to become successful and more profitable. Now, this is the segment where we talk to the movers and the shakers, the people who think differently, the people who make a difference, and who get us to challenge the things that we've been brought up to believe. David Hooker is a down-to-earth, let's-get-to-it guy. He, he has the rare ability to simplify, simplify challenging issues. David's an author, a broadcaster, and the originator of the new gold standards. In other words, the old ways of doing business are not good enough any longer. As I've said many times in this program, we all face the same challenge, taking full advantages of the capacity to excel that we were born with and that somehow gets lost as we get involved in the world of business. Now, that was, um, that was David's line, not mine. I was just reiterating that um, I've said on the program many, many times that we have to really challenge the way we think and the way we do things. I've reached David in Ontario. Hi, David. How are you? Welcome to the show. Well, thanks ever so much. I'm doing very well. Now, the uh, snow over here in Canada has uh, gone and vanished for good, well, at least for the next few months anyway. Yeah, good. Um, David, you talk about the fatal flaw. What is it? It's, uh, Bob, it's, it's really interesting. It's one of the things that I've noticed and in all my career. I've been in my business now for, I'm in my 44th year of uh, traveling the world and speaking with entrepreneurs and sharing points of view and thoughts. And one thing that keeps coming up all the time is that every time I do a seminar or a conference or mentorship, it's always the salespeople, it's always the entrepreneurs that is in front of me in the audience that are struggling. And I keep saying to myself, where are the sales managers in the corporations that are meant to be mentoring the salespeople? And the fatal flaw that I've come across in all these years is within the sales management, within the executive leadership, within all the major corporations where they're out there trying to find the salesperson or the entrepreneur that's going to take that, that corporation's business to the next level, but they don't know how to take their salespeople to the next level. Yeah. And they send the salespeople to people in front of you and in front of me to sit down and use our experience. I'm saying to myself, well, what is the role of the sales manager or the sales director? Do they have the wrong title? Do they have the wrong people? And to me, that's, that's what I call the fatal flaw because we should be speaking to the people that are out there hiring and mentoring and training those salespeople. That's, that's my definition of, the, of that fatal flaw. Okay, I agree entirely with you. So why is there a need for a new gold standard? Why doesn't what we've been doing uh, all along continue to work? I mean, it obviously doesn't. Do you know, it's, it's funny. I, we've just celebrated Easter over here. And uh, we were out with a party of uh, people uh, yesterday. And we were sitting down and we were discussing, because they're always fascinated by the business that I'm in, because when you're in your circle of friends, you know, they, they, we, we all look at each other's jobs. And uh, to them, I have the most fascinating one, even though it's living out of a suitcase all the time. Yeah, I know. And we were true. discussing... <laughs> <laughs> you do, don't you? I know what it is. You, you, you always tell the traveller, but the number of shirts we have in our wardrobes. That's right. And the interesting thing, and we were talking, we were, and it came down to, obviously, because uh, it, it was Easter, we came down to talking about religion. And the question came up, why is there only one Bible or one book of whatever religion you follow? But when it comes down to being entrepreneurs, there's tens of thousands of books. Yep. So why is it one part of our life, one book that satisfies, yet the other side, 
we have all these books written by all these authors, and I'm one of them, and you're one of them, so we write those books, but why is it that we need so many books that are out there? And then it comes down to something that, that's really important to me. When we're born, we are born with a gold standard, regardless whether we're born with full sight, full faculties, whether we're, no matter what disability or disadvantage we're born with, when we're born, we don't see that disadvantage. Yes. So every child, every baby, no matter who it is, they only have one goal in mind, and that is to succeed, whether it be succeeding in sitting up, in crawling, in feeding themselves, in talking, no matter what it is, we only have one goal as a baby, that is to be successful. So how the blazes can we go from being an entrepreneurial baby who has no other goal other than to be successful, to become growing up, to become an adult who's disillusioned, lost direction, has no support, has no motivation, wants to be entrepreneurial, and doesn't have the blazes to go about doing it, and goes and spends thousands of dollars on books. Learned and so, pessimism. <laughs> what a great phrase. Can I use that? Absolute, absolutely right. Yep. And so where does that indoctrination come from? And so when it comes down to set the new gold standard, it really saying to those people, basically, it's an old gold standard you already had. But let's rediscover that because you are entrepreneurial. Every single person is entrepreneurial. We just have to learn how to use the skills we have to apply them to achieve the goals we're after. That's, that's that new gold standard. And, it's, and I'm very passionate about it. It's, 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 I get annoyed and frustrated when I see people who are frustrated when they don't need to be. Yeah, we've also got to get a new attitude too. There's so many people are capable that just have a, such a negative attitude and won't get out of their own way. Well, I tell you what it is, Bob. It, it comes from the standpoint that when a child is, 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 is in the development stages, the parents tell that child, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. Even if the child falls down, grazes their knee, falls off their bicycle, falls off their roller skates, falls off the horse, no matter what it is, get back on, you can do it, you can do it. Then they go to the transition stage of don't do that, you'll hurt yourself, don't do that. Then we take them through the process of, I'm not sure if that job will suit you or that career will suit you. Yeah. You better ask your father, better ask your mother. And yep. that's when the doubt starts coming in. Yep, I agree. So you established your personal gold standard um, in sales by walking the war-torn streets of Ireland, <laughs> selling door-to-door. Now, I've been to Ireland giving presentations many times, and yeah. as a Brit yeah. with the anti-English establishment, that must have been a pretty tough door-knocking experience. What did you, what did, was, what did you learn from all that? I was, uh, I was uh, in the UK and I was running a, a corporation over there that wanted to open up in, in, in Ireland, in Belfast. Mm-hmm. And uh, we used to get the guys from Ireland coming across over to, to the UK to, for their training, which I was doing. But I believe you're going to train someone, go back into their, into their own backyard and help them develop their business. Yep. And um, the company said to me, no, we don't want you going to Ireland because it's too dangerous, it's too risky. And I, my answer basically was, if you want it opened up, let's go there. What, what the hell is going to happen? And so I was across over there with my suitcases going door to door with the Irish team, knocking on the doors, um, tr- showing them how they can get out there. And this was in the days, Bob, when you had to go door to door. These were the days when you had to get out there, you had to walk the streets to find your business. Sure. And uh, it, was, it was out there. Walk. Every time I went back to Ireland, the hotel I, was, I used to stay in had always been redecorated because it was always getting blown up. And that was one of the funniest things about it. It was always different wallpaper, always different furniture. So you didn't have to go to different hotels. You just kept going to the same hotel. And it was fun. And it was fascinating. And um, people were people respected me in Ireland even more because I was over there doing it. And it was quite astounding 
when you actually get into these places where all the press and the media say how dangerous it is, and you go there to do your business, yeah. the respect you get is tremendous. And you grow as an individual. You, you've got to get out there. You've got to get out and do things that you don't want to do. You've got to get out and do things that maybe scare you at the time. If you don't, if you don't break down those barriers, and if you don't get across the obstacles, I remember someone said to me some years ago, and you might want to use this phrase, if a mountain was smooth, you would never be able to climb it. <laughs> True. You know, yeah. you need the obstacles, you need the rocks and the boulders, you need, you need the, 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 the things put in your pathway that stop you getting to the top because each obstacle becomes a stepping stone to the next obstacle. Yeah. That's yeah. how mountaineers work. I don't know that you have to actually go to a war-torn, bomb-strewn <laughs> Belfast to learn this stuff. I think there are other areas that are much safer. I remember being in um, Sarajevo. Oh, God. Oh, right. It was dreadful. Um, so... You've got very strong views on mentoring, mentoring and training, and um, there are elements of business that I, that I think are dreadfully lacking now. What are your views on that? I think that um, there's, 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 there's a complacency coming in, 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 into industry and into the world, and I, I'm not sure where it's come down from. And I, and you, you know, you work with entrepreneurs. Your whole program here is about entrepreneurs, and you've got this, 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 this audience here who are entrepreneurs, and they're all. All of them, including myself, we all struggle in one, in one form or another. And when I sit down and I talk to employees of companies, I ask them, what, what are they? Are they an employee or are they, are they an entrepreneur? And it's interesting, not one single person that works for a company sees themselves as being an entrepreneur. Not yep. one. Not yep. one single one of them. They see themselves as being an employee. And I'm saying, what's the difference? If you if you're if you're employed, use your entrepreneurial skills and abilities to to be entrepreneurial in the job that you're doing, so that you do it to such an extent that no one else can do what you're doing. Become the best you can be at what you're doing. Yeah. And there is that complacency that comes in that says, "Oh, it's too hard, it's too tough," and it's what 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 that little gene is that puts these people off. I really don't know, but I tell you this: I have a a, a phrase which is dogash. And everything I work on is, is teaching people to have a dogash attitude. And the dogash stands for don't give a shit. In other words, if you can develop a dogash attitude that says, I, I want to do this, I want to change this, I want to get out and do that with my life. I don't, I don't care what other people say about it. I don't care what they're going to say. I want to get out there and change things. We change marriages. We, we go from being single to married. and We go from marriage to being single. Yeah. We make those tough decisions because we want to be happier than, than being unhappy. So therefore, why can't we use those same decision-making skills in our business and our approach to attitude and, and to life in general? It's, so that's what I do, and I'm tough about it. I'm strong about it. I don't waste people's time. I want to, I want them to talk to me, listen to me. I want, to, I want them to walk away from me and say, wow, that guy's given me something to think about. How much of this is um, managers being afraid of encouraging, giving too much encouragement to their salespeople in case they get shown up? Well, isn't that the problem? What, what happens in corporations? Listen, you end up with a good salesperson, and what do the sales managers do? Increase the size of the territory. Yeah. The sales manager gets good. The, the salesperson gets good bonuses. What happens? Increase these targets next year. And what does the sales manager do? He only focuses on the good salespeople. Why don't you focus on the bad salespeople? I used to say to people all the time, "Give me the guy you're going to fire, and I'll give you someone you want to keep." 
Don't send to me your top salesperson. I don't want to talk to that guy. Give me the person you're going to fire because your job as the sales manager is not to raise the targets of the good people. Your job as the sales manager is to sit down with a brand new person, mentor them, train them, so you end up now with double the top salespeople and quadruple the number of top salespeople. Don't bemoan the bottom guy. And that's what they do because, because the sales managers don't know how to develop the guys at the bottom. They just don't have that skill set. They don't know what to do. When you talk about... And, thank goodness, and listen, Bob, thank goodness for that. That's why you and I work. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when you talk about the entrepreneurial, the entrepreneurial employee, what, do you, what exactly do you mean by that? Well, okay. You meet people. Let me give an, an example of uh, someone I was talking to just a few days ago, uh, but actually a few weeks ago. He works in a, in a warehouse and he is frustrated because he said, I'm just the, the, not the cleaner, but I just keep the, the place clean and tidy. So that's all I'm doing currently. Yeah. I said to him, said, no, that's not all you're doing currently. That's your job. You've got to become the best person that's ever had worked in that factory that's keeping it, whatever job you do that's keeping it clean. You would become the best person that's doing that. So they look at you and say, Goodness gracious, look what this guy's doing. So when you leave, either no one can do it or they've got to move a different position. Let me just cut across this before you ask me another question. I did 10 months working for an organization called Tim Hortons, which is Canada's largest coffee, uh, coffee house over here. Yeah. And Familiar they've got, they, they, have, they, okay, you, okay. Now they have people on minimum wage. Yes. And I was working with some of the franchisees and the franchisees, I was trying to teach them customer service because they were t- they were treating their minimum wage people as having minimum wage mentality. Yes. And I was saying to these franchisees, listen, the reason why that person is working that wage because that's what they want. You've got to make sure that you treat them as if they're a thousand dollar an hour person. Yep. You've got to train them and coach them. Like even though you're still paying them the twelve fifty or thirteen bucks an hour, that's fine. But don't treat them like that. Yeah. And that's. That's the challenge that we have in management today. We treat people according to the salary that we're paying them, and that's wrong. I agree. David, thanks for spending the time to be on the show with me. I really appreciate it. Um, when you look at the state of the economy, both here and in the U.S. and abroad, it certainly is time for a check-up from the neck up. We really need to start doing things very differently. Now, if you'd like more information about David, go to www.set the new goldstandard.com that's www.setthenewgoldstandard.com and I'll be back with you after this very short break with my next guest stocks bonds investment opportunities financial news and talk we can help call us now toll free 866-472-5790 866-472-5790 voice america business network do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. 
Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore. Or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. We are in the midst of a global sovereign debt crisis that could lead to the ultimate risk for the world economy, the removal of the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency. What will this event really mean to the markets? And more importantly, what does it mean for you and your family? Listen to Global Currency Watch with your host, Stephen Ayer, to get a full and objective look at the world's sovereign debt crisis and help you prepare for when the crisis envelops the United States. Global Currency Watch airs live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. How can we Americans realize our dreams to earn a living? How can you pursue your dream and make money as an owner or an employee? Learn how at The American Business Person, the online weekly radio talk show hosted by Rich Killian. Today's business leaders share how to succeed and what fails. If you own a new or established business or ever hope to, you must tune in. Join us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Central, and noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Or listen on demand to our archived shows. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to Bob at bobpritchard.com. That's Bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, this is a segment where we talk to people involved in show business. Last week, last week, you may recall Dana Steele, the first lady of American rock radio, saying that the great rock and roll stars are also great businessmen, and she gave us some terrific examples. So, what we like to do in this segment is to find out what makes rock stars tick off stage you know it's very difficult to maintain stardom so what do our interviewees have you know that tens of thousands of other aspiring acts don't have we talk to them about what they're like away from the limelight and what the business side of show business is about it's not about the public stuff the crap you read in the tabloids you know we get heaps and heaps of that this is about what the people are really like themselves. A few weeks ago, you might recall I had a chat on this program with a long-term friend of mine, seven times world surfing champion Lane Beachley, and we received a great response to that program. At the time, I mentioned that Lane was married to Kirk Pengilly, who is the legendary guitarist, saxophonist, and backup vocalist for In Excess. In Excess are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, They've sold in excess of 30 million records, have three Grammy nominations, and Kirk has been with the band for 32 years. That's more than all of my marriages combined. He's just back from a European tour, and I'm pleased to have Kirk on the line. G'day, mate. How are you? Good, Bob. Really good. Thank you. Good. Now, you live in a hell of a busy household. Um, Lane's constantly touring and giving speeches and book signings and working with her fantastic foundation, and you're a touring rock star just back from Europe. So, yeah. 
two really... Yeah, we, we, uh, we have a lot of what we call diary meetings, which is <laughs> sitting, sitting together with our... Uh, with our iPhones and going through uh, the calendar and working out who's going to be where and when and which car, you know, does one of us need or whatever else. Um, so it is a, a constant juggling act, but it, you know, keeps it interesting. That's for sure. I keep. I guess you probably keep Skype pretty busy too. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, we we do a lot of with phone actually more more than probably Skype. Um, uh, you know, but that's probably because Lane has a deal with one of the phone companies, so she has a free phone. <laughs> <laughs> How good is that? So you've yeah. got you've got two really healthy egos under the one roof. What's, <laughs> what's the secret of maintaining a happy marriage like you guys have got under those circumstances? It's got to be hard. Uh, look, I, I think you know uh, one of the one of the things for us is our both our sense of humour um, that works well, but also I think. You know, both sort of being in the limelight in our different sort of areas, um, has, I think, has allowed us both to understand and respect um, each other's needs and, and what what each of us sort of do with our career. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, quite often we'll we'll book a date ahead, you know, a couple of weeks or something, and then the night before or whatever, something will come up for lane, and it's like, oh, okay, well, we'll just we'll just do the date another night. We don't sort of kind of get. Um, heated up about things like that. So, you know, it just works well. I mean, we both understand the commitment that we've both made to our careers. Yeah, yeah. Um, when I was speaking to Lane, she said that... Uh-oh. I, I, don't know whether, <laughs> I don't know whether you actually heard it, but she said that you are, at home, the furthest thing from a rock star that one can possibly imagine. You <laughs> potter around the garden, you're a great cook, you do the dishes, even the laundry... <laughs> is that therapy for you after a hectic, stressful tour, or does it keep you grounded, or are you just naturally a sensational husband material? Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm the I'm the wife, I think. I think that's how it works. But, um, <laughs> yeah, look, I, I don't know. It's definitely part of that. I mean, I grew up in a, in a very isolated, um, isolated childhood, so. During my teen years, you know, I, I craved company. I craved, um, I guess, being the, the clown amongst a, a group of people, and and you know, I wanted to be accepted and all that because my my earlier childhood was was sort of so isolated. Mm. But uh, once you know, fame and fortune came with the band, um, I found I, I sort of went the opposite way and actually kind of became private again uh, because it takes up so much time and people demand so much of your time. Uh, at all times, uh, I find that I, I do like to sort of hibernate at home and potter around. And cooking was something that I that I started really as soon as I left school. I got into uh, into cooking, and um, and so I, I don't know. I just I think you know I'm just a bit of a homebody um, because it is the contrast of the lifestyle on the road. It is good, isn't it? I mean, I, I travel a lot um, and giving speeches and things, nothing, nothing as glamorous as you, but it is great to sort of get home and put your feet up and watch a bit of telly and just veg out. Yeah, and shut down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that's, that's one of the things I really need to do after, uh, you know, after we do a show. Uh, anyway, really, uh, most of the time, um, I mean, occasionally a couple of drinks down the bar or something, but most yeah. of the time, go back to my room and. Uh, Put put the tally on for a little while, and uh, it, it, it's, it just seems to be a really good way for me to unwind from from sort of all the 
the hype and adrenaline of doing a live performance. Yeah. So let's talk for a minute about the business side of being a global rock band. Um, in order to stay on top of your game, you need to get bookings and organise tours and maintain publicity and write songs and plan recordings and all the, plus all the legal and accounting and all those complications. Do you have a team of people that take care of all those responsibilities or does the member of the, or does the band sort of do it themselves or how does that all work? Yeah, look, uh, I mean, these days definitely there's more, um, more participation from us, from the band members. Yeah. Um, really just a matter of, of, uh, of, of, you know, streamlining the business and cutting costs and, by doing that, you know, heads roll, and you end up having to uh, to do a lot of it yourself, yeah. which is kind of good. I mean, it obviously makes us all more responsible, but it also, uh, you know, keeps us in touch probably more so than perhaps we were in the 80s and 90s with what's actually going on. Um, so it, it, it is a good thing, and, and, and yes, it is, it is a business. It's not just all glamour and, you know, um, prancing around the world and going to parties. Yeah. Um, although that happens. But... Uh, it, it is definitely a business, and it has to be run like a business. And um, we're lucky where our key people that we do have with us uh, have been with us for a long time, and uh, and uh, are excellent at their job, um, and know our needs as a business. And equally as important, you can trust them and know you're not getting had. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I that's think, a major uh, problem, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think that you know, in any business, there's uh, there's you know, unscrupulous people. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, you know, I mean, the entertainment industry, I guess, has been known for perhaps having a bit more of a percentage of, of crooks and robbers because I think, you know, not so much these days, but certainly back in the 70s and 80s and, and all that, you know, uh, the musicians, all they wanted to do was go and play, man. Yep, that's right. <laughs> they didn't want to worry about the business. They just wanted to go and get chicks and, you know, <laughs> and play a gig. Yeah. But uh, it definitely became, a, you know, a much more legitimate business in the late 70s, certainly into the 80s. And I guess if you're going to be a crook, you might as well be a glamorous crook, right? <laughs> exactly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, both uh, Lane and yourself, you've been very active in charity work. Um, you're an ambassador for the I Foundation, and you've also right. been very supportive of the Golden Stave, the um, Musicians and Entertainers Charity for Kids, and I'm on the committee yep. of that, and we appreciate your contribution. We tried to get you this year for a gig but you were uh, for, the, for the luncheon, but you were otherwise engaged. Um, yes. Can you tell me a little bit about your involvement with the I Foundation? Yeah, well, the I Foundation, um, that was something I, it was kind of purely by accident initially, but I was looking for kind of, uh, you know, so, some way of giving back in certain areas and all that, and I ran into a, an ophthalmologist on a flight back from LA to Sydney, and uh, we got to talking, and, and as it turned out, they were setting up sort of a, a foundation to raise funds for, um, well, you know, for, for basically scientific work in eye health and and to raise awareness and all that. And he put it to me on that flight, um, would I be interested? And I sort of said, let me get back to you. And I thought about it for a while. And I actually had a pretty interesting eye history. I nearly went blind uh, in the mid-80s with glaucoma. Mm. And so I guess I felt a real sort of, Affinity. I felt that I actually had, you know, some some sort of connection with what the Eye Foundation are all about, and went from there. So I've been their peer ambassador for about, you know, five years, I think. Yeah, um, 
it's, it's fantastic because I, you know, Lane's charity's terrific. Um, yeah. And, uh, and for the stars, yeah. Yeah, it's, and, and it's, it's wonderful that you guys get so involved in helping others. Um, one of the most difficult things to achieve in any business is to have a sort of group of people who work together as a cohesive team. I'm, that people fall apart very easy and have a common sense of purpose and drive. You know, it's, it must be so much more difficult when you're dealing with a group of highly talented, emotional, fairly well-off people who live in each other's pockets day in, day out during a tour. So is there a lot of empathy and understanding among the group or you, do you just grin and bear it or do you each go different ways after each show or how does that, how does that, how come you're so... A, a, bit, of, uh, a bit of all of the, yeah, a bit of all of the above really. Um, I think, you know, when we first started out, uh, you know, in excess is a bit of a freaky animal really just because we have been together for, well, it's, it's probably, you know, really 35 years, um, even more so it goes back with some of the connection between us. Yeah. But, um, uh, it's, you know, we're, we're a bit like a family, really. Um, there are three brothers in the band, yes, so that does right. make it very family orientated, but we've always felt like sort of a family and we all grew up together, went to school together. So it's, it's, you know, it's kind of, it's a different model, I think, than, than, uh, a business that's just started up with a bunch of people that, you know, went to interviews and got employed. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a different sort of animal. But, um, I think, look, in the early days, um, yes, we just hung out all the time. In fact, you know, we used to share houses and all that sort of thing. But as, uh, the life got busier and as the, the band became sort of more successful, you know, we grew up and all, um, and start to start our own families and all that sort of thing. And so, for the most part these days, unless we're working, we don't really hang out, but we have obviously a lot of meetings or phone conferencing um, for, you know, discussion for whatever needs to be discussed, but don't necessarily hang out so much socially anymore. How, how many days a year do you travel? Um, it, it's, a real, it's a real mixture. I mean, we had, a, you know, a, virtually a couple of years off in 2008, 2009, sure. um, after touring the, the Switch album. So uh, it, it depends, but I mean, this year's fairly busy. I mean, we were out for most of January and uh, a couple of shows between then and now, and then we'll be out throughout June and July in Australia doing a, a regional sort of tour. Yeah. Um, so at the moment, you know, perhaps about a third of the year we're out. Okay. Well, that... that- that's not so bad, is it? That's yeah, yeah it's terrible. And <laughs> having three members of the one family in the band, I mean, it didn't work that well for Oasis, did it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the Bee Gees it worked well for. There's, there's yeah, that's right. They're yeah, they three brothers, you know. Yes, yeah, sibling um, rivalry. Yeah, look, it's, it is an interesting anomaly. I think for the most for the most part, it usually works. Although, um, who was I thinking of uh, the Kinks? I think there's two brothers. I think yeah, they, they were, had a big yeah. falling out. It's uh, you know look it just depends on the people and the and the uh, the pressures and successes or not successes that they have. So what's the next big um, step for NXS and what's the future hold for um, Kirk and Pengilly? Uh, well, at the moment we're actually rehearsing uh, new material. Right. Um, we're right smack bang in the middle of rehearsals, um, and uh, recently, about six months ago, we. Uh, and this is a new singer, uh, a guy from Ireland called Kieran Gribben, uh-huh. and he he'd actually sort of 
happened kind of organically. He'd just been writing with uh, with Andrew, our main yes. songwriter, yep. um, not necessarily for in excess or anything. And uh, we felt we'd sort of reached, uh, you know, as far as we could sort of take it with um, with JD, our last singer. Yes. And Andrew suggested um, that we try Kieran out, and which we did, and. So it's been uh, it's been sort of the last six months been doing you know some small shows here and there um, to kind of test run it and and now we're rehearsing up new material for this tour in June and July. Great. And for you, Kirk, what's what's anything uh, well, you know? I'm pretty pretty sort of entrenched with uh, you know with, with the band's goings on at the moment. So um, nothing much planned. Other than whatever the band's doing, right? You know, it's, it's fairly all-consuming at the moment. Um, but uh, you know, there's always things going on. Uh, there's always uh, functions and things that Lay and I attend, and charity things, and uh, and whatever else. And I think what she and I have locked in somewhere along the line uh, about a week up in Noosa at some point. A holiday, wow! In Queensland, <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's good. Kirk, thanks very much for giving me the time today i really appreciate it i know how busy you are and just back from a tour you want to settle down you want, don't want to be doing too much yeah that's fine kirk's a rock star with a great attitude a terrific wife and a very level head and he likes to do the same stuff that most of us do when we have a break from work i'll be back after this short break When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Business Show, coming to you from Los Angeles, where we help entrepreneurs just like you to be more successful. As you know, um, I'm a speaker and I've given over 1,500 presentations um, to companies in 53 different countries. I recently completed a 10-speech tour of Iran, uh, predominantly to MBA students, but also to employer organisations. And it was a sensational experience, very educational. And uh, I found that Iran was totally different than what I had perceived it to be from watching the evening news. So next week, I'm going to talk about this experience and give you a glimpse of the Iran that I saw while I was trotting around the country giving presentations. Now, most of my emails uh, that come in are from the United States, but uh, I'll do my best to answer emails from around the world as well. My first email this week is from Jean Miller, and Jean Miller is in London, and Jean wrote, Dear Bob, thanks for the program. I'm really enjoying it. Last week you had an interview about crowdfunding. How can I invest in the pool, and what sort of return could I get? Jean, if you're investing in America, it's a major problem because um, at the moment they only allow sophisticated investors. So the US-based crowd funders take only donations at this stage. So the donor only gets a T-shirt or <laughs> some other reward. Um, they do it out of the goodness of their heart to help entrepreneurs. Um, Congress is looking at changing that. 
so that anybody can invest. But uh, I'm not sure about the UK. You might want to check that yourself. But um, as you know, investing in startups is pretty risky with more than 50% failing and returning nothing at all to investors. Um, only about 10% of what you get successful. And usually it takes about 10 years before an investor can exit. So all of those things are pretty unsatisfactory. So, And it's also important to make sure that the um, uh, company that is doing the crowdfunding um, really does their due diligence. So go to a company that uh, really does their due diligence, spread your risk across a number of companies, and your chances are improved dramatically. Um, the, um, in most startups, angel investors provide valuable mentoring and ensure that the company acts wisely and they've got advice from previous um, experience. Um, in crowdfunding, that doesn't happen, and uh, you may have more failures um, with startups with crowdfunding. It will also become more difficult to get secondary funding. So, Gene, I hope that helps. Now, since you already have a copy of Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, I've sent you um, Marketing Magic, which is a book that um, features myself and 17 other great marketers, um, Brian Tracy and a number of others. I hope that uh, you receive it soon and enjoy it. We at Bob Pritchard Radio Show are all about helping small business to become more successful and more profitable. I've got a quote for you again. Uh, this is another one of my all-time favourites by one of my early idols, David Ogilvie, who said, good products can be sold by honest advertising. If you don't think your product is good, you have no business advertising it, which I think is um, pretty good advice. So in the time of extraordinary change, many companies are finding change extremely difficult. Now, Jacob Broad said, consider how hard it is to change yourself and you'll understand clearly how hard it is to change others. Anne Bircher of Santa Monica sent me the following quote by Robert Frost, which is also very, very true. By working faithfully eight hours a day, you can eventually become the boss and work 12 hours a day. Remember, we're here to help small business succeed. Send me your quotes, email me at bob at bobpritchard.com and follow me on Twitter and Google+. And I'll see you at the same time next week. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.